You're listening to the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT podcast. I'm your host and curator, Rabbi Aprom Kipolevich, and I hope you enjoy this episode. Shalom, this is the fourth installment of our Tzurim Rabbonin series, and tonight we're going to cover Zerchai Bekvod of Moro. Okay, now how did he come into this world? So obviously his mother and father were bad. Now, it could be that it was an accident. That could be possible. It could be they didn't realize that this was the Aishas Ish, right? Mamzer is a byproduct of a of a sexual union that Yerchayv Kar is for. So therefore, um, the parents have definitely engaged in negative behavior. Now, they might have accidentally engaged in it, as I said. Usually that's not the case, though. Um, so, and we definitely have cases of Mamzerim. Where they're they are mamzerim because their parents acted maliciously. Uh, the 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 adulterous wife knew uh, that this wasn't her husband, um, and therefore what we have here and the, the the husband also the adulterer um, he knew this was a married woman. The child is born. The child has to honor, according to the Shulchan Aruch, the child has to honor their parents. To, let's say, assuming the father here in this case, but the mother too. Now, it's interesting that the Shulchan Aruch adds the following, as you can see on the board. Because we know it could be, you know, things can be, um, things can change from the time a youthful dalliance, by the time the child grows up. Shulchan Aruch adds, even if the father continues to be a Russia. The, the father continues to be classified as a Rosh according to the Torah and still is doing Averos. Um, the myths of Kibbut and Mora still apply in terms of help. We're, we're Lot's children, Mamzerim, and that means Mashiach is a product of Mamzerim. Yeah, yeah, okay. So no, no one doubts, Richard, you know, that there have been um, incidents where mamzerim may have contributed. Mamzerim, the, the Gemara says, a mamzer who studies Torah is, is greater than the Kohen Gadol. Um, and the question really is, is not on the byproduct. God has his will of why this had to happen. Uh, and God makes things turn out incredible. The question is, though, in the practical here and now, if you discover that your mother is this adulteress, um, do you, and maybe she's still having affairs. Does that uh, actually lead to the level where you don't have to honor them anymore? Right, that's the question. So the Shulchan Aruch Paskins, no. You still have to honor them. Even if they continue to do Alveiris. Your mom, you're a byproduct of a of, of, of some married dalliance, and even if it continues that way. So that is the Psak of the Shulchan Aruch. It, I, On some level, it's easy to sort of say who's a Russia, but can we? I mean, in an idealized way of looking at things, we can say we know there's a Russia and a Balaveros. Um, wickedness, continuing to do sins. Um, is that a title? Is that a, a term that still applies? And to what does it apply? That's really what I'm. Um, that's what I'm trying to get you guys to think about. Um, the Rama, as you can see here, Beishomrim, they know Mechuyev Lachabid Aviv Rasha, that the key of Kavod is gone. Ela Imkain also Tshuva. And only, right, if you, if, if the child, if the father does Tshuva, and again, how do you know? But I guess if you see in their comportment and other ways that they've done Tshuva, but how about uh, if they do tshuva at the end of their life and all of their averas are then converted to merits, how can you make a presumption before that happens, before the end of someone's life, that they're not going to do it and all of their avera, avera will be uh, okay. considered merits? So Richard here has this typical type of uh, sort of like trick question. In other words, since every, in other words, you're as Richard's question is like this. That how could the Ramah say that I don't have to do tshuva, I don't have to honor them, 
it will turn out that they're going to do tshuva at the very end. So with Mafreya, they're going to be tzaddikim, right? And therefore, right, that's your question. In other words, it, it retroactively turns them into a tzaddikim, right? It could be such a tshuva. And if that's true, that means every single time you're machabed, you, you can't be a Ramah person and say, well, I'm not honoring you because you're a Russia. Well, yeah, I am a Russia, but maybe I'll do tshuva. And then I will retroactively be a tzaddik, and therefore you wouldn't be machayev to do keep it up. That's your question, essentially, right? Okay, I think so. right. That's a yeah. question, Richard's question. Okay, it's a trick question, really. Um, not to me. Tuva is such a powerful. Yeah, no, I, no, no. I understand, but then the the, the question is: so therefore, that's that is that machayev that possibility is right, therefore is that machayev kibud therefore continuous guidelines to act on a practical level and in the here and now, like I love face of the. Yishmael, right. No, in other words, do I have to assume? In other words, because remember, we know what, what what is called for. What's called for is extreme time, effort, possible expense. Uh, you know, not showing up at your job in order to 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 hang out with your parent. Um, the physical work, uh, the mental energy, and everything that's in, required in this very difficult mitzvah of keep it off that we've been talking about. Um, and, and even if, Richard, if we want to uh, download what we've studied the last three weeks, the type of attitude you have to have, remember the charedim, you have to consider them great, right? And here you are, you're dealing with this bum, this slob, this this unrepentant adulterer, this person, right? So uh, I have to see this person at the path with the possibility, see? So again, think about the 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 ramifications of your question. It isn't just, uh, do you have to stand up or something for them? Um, because they might do tshuva. You're talking about being connected to them in a subservient sort of way, even though they're living as a Russia, right? Now, if you go like the first opinion, like the Shulchan Aruch's opinion, okay, so the question doesn't start. You're asking on the second opinion, on the Ramah. So, yeah. Yes, Miriam. Yes, I have a solution. At that time, when this parents will, this parent will do a tshuva, all your disrespect will turn into respect. Meaning, <laughs> meaning, I am a little bit joking, but I also say, like, you have a you have a two ways uh, answer it. One way, you still obey your parents, you still give them money for their drinking habits. Uh, maybe you are passively supporting it. At some point, you refuse it. Maybe, maybe you're actually contributing to their healing. So it was kind of twisted answer, but there is actually logic to it. Meaning maybe you don't have an obligation, especially to support, you know, your father comes to you who is, uh, you know, not you, your friend's father comes to your friend and you know that this person is an alcoholic. And he says, I am your father. I obligate you to give me money. Well, well, are you obligated to support? Uh, right. Well, we uh, th- that's really a machlokus in the Gemara. We paskin, you don't have to support from your own pocket unless your parent is penniless. And then he would be the first person you'd have to give stalker yeah. to. But I, to I, think where, I think where Miriam is going with this is that if we're going to have this, you know, this tableau of spirituality that Richard says might happen, maybe the the child's um uh, attitude, the lack of kavod, all led to the tshuva at the end, <laughs> right? I think so. I think you're saying something. Like that. In other words, the same way, you know, yes, this, exactly. uh, in other words, the same way. Right now, there's no kavod because you don't have to. So, if the child, if the parent does this magical tshuva that retroactively means that he's that he everything he's done has somehow become like a mitzvah, like Richard said, a super tshuva meava, like incredible beatific moment. So we can also apply that to the way people were treating him. So even but the, the don't ch- justify the means to act inappropriately to get a positive. Yeah, but at this point, it is appropriate. At, the, at, at this point in the in, in in the in the in the here and now, it is appropriate, according to the Ramah, not to have to invest all that mental energy towards that. Um, right. Um, you're saying, well, it's almost like a suffix, like like it's like hasra suffix. The way Richard's looking at it, the Gemara says that you know if you you know you can't kill a person 
Uh, if you don't know if he's about to do the act or not, he's, you've got to warn him for the exact act. If you're not sure whether what he's doing is that act, you can't kill him. Here also, you, since every single Russia father is a potential big iceberg, we know throughout Shas, there is attitudes that we're supposed to uh, have towards evildoers. There's supposed to be a sense of fighting them. There's a sense of distancing from them. There's a sense of not giving them an aliyah. Again, this is really why I sort of picked this subject, because it's a part of a bigger discussion. Um, and and I think for today's time, I think the question has to be, do we even have Rishoyim that are Bali Aveira? Um, let's take a look, and, and we'll see some more sources here on this. The... Um, First of all, the Shach, as you can see in source 16, says that even if you hold like the Ramah, but you can't go out of your way to be Mitzar them. Now, maybe someone else can as a way, but but the child cannot. A little bit of the Yalkut Yosef and another Psach from the modern day uh, Dayan and Paisek. A Rebbe Yezra Melamed. So first we'll start with the Rebbe Yisrael Yosef. Okay. So as you can see here, mitzvahs kibbutz aveim higam keshahoyrim heim kapdonim. Okay, even if the parents are sort of, he calls this very particular. Umatrichem umetzarim is yildeya. Right, not only are particular, they are just kvetchers, and and they've got something with them. They always try to you know like you know uh, try to push their kids around. Right? All different types of demands, complaints. And as, especially as they get older, they become ornery, right? Even if you can see them cursing their kids. Right? They're strange. Right, they're strange in the way they act. Their their opinions that they have, uh, their attitudes, and 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 the way they conduct themselves. You would call them completely slobs. They're not have any derech eretz at all. The kids, uh, they have parents like that. You have to honor them. You you have to you have to respect them. You cannot insult them. Now, now, um, what could happen is Mikomakom in Misnagus Ahorim he built in Misvelas, and everybody has a different um, place where they cannot take it anymore. But if the way the parents are acting qualifies as unable to to take it, Yecholim Habeno Abbas Vahanicham, what you can do is. I, I, I suffer such mental anguish by interacting with them. And this goes back, I think, to something that Dr. Kogan was raising in the very first class, I believe. That if there if there are, there is such a gulf between the parent and child and the way that the parent uh, reacts in personal uh, discussions and personal talks and personal meetings is so, <clears throat> is such a mental stress on the child then they don't have to come. Even though clearly the kavod has gone down. So even if there's someone else that they hire or someone else that they arrange to deal with that to, with that parent, you don't have to, as you can see, and it's based on the Gemara and Kedushan, where one of the, uh, uh, the uh, Amaroyim's parents uh, became so mentally disturbed that that he had a hard time dealing with her so this is being related here in this case to a parent who is is such a difficult person that uh, such a difficult person that it becomes impossible for you to interact with them Yes, I, I think it. A uh, child is still obligated. Actually, makes it easier. Still obligated to fulfill the physical needs of the parent under such circumstances, because the the emotional part and the kibbutz the emotionally becomes might become impossible. But the physical one, I think, should take care of that because that's 
really uh, is an indication of kibbutz Alvein. Well, again, as it says, you know, if the way they are acting, it's, it's I guess it's impossible to handle. Nothing is gained. It really, we, we know what human human beings are. You cannot expect them. Um, you cannot expect them uh, to be in any way um, uh, angelic. Uh, no, no. And I, I, I'm looking at the point too. Let's say they can't stand each okay, other. Okay. So, all right. So, all right. So, no, no, right, so no, let's no, go on to that. Let's go on to let's go on to point two. Let's go on to no, point two. Okay. So, so the physically, they, the parent still needs help, right? They can't stand each other, but the parent needs help. So I think right. they can't live separately because they, they, you know, the parent needs the help that the child can provide. So therefore, they should they, uh, separate the two aspects of uh, the relationship, right? Okay, so let me read. Okay, so for the people who are, Dr. Kogan's one step ahead of us right now. So let's, let, let's, let's see what the psak of, and his son were, and then uh, apply it to, to what Dr. Kogan was saying. Chokhamavadya says, that we see that the relationship is just one of anger and frustration and 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 just you know sniping at each other. Even shame miscoated him. So you're not going to be able to solve it. They shouldn't be together. So, Dr. Kogan, they should live in separate locations. Dr. Kogan is saying that's if you have the luxury of being able to help, or the, the parent has enough funds to be able to live in a separate apartment, and the child does too. But let's say you're talking in a situation where there isn't that much, there's no, there isn't the money to go around, there isn't the community resources to help them, and they must live in intercessor. You should, because, because you can't just wipe the slate clean and expect the two to sit together, whether it's daughter and mother, father and, and daughter, either way, you can't just expect them to sit and wipe the slate clean. And now everything is, okay, we're going to go back to the way, the first principles. There's the amalgamated amount of, of, of difficulty, pain, and probably angry comments that were said by each side. Um, this is not a, a the perfect society. This is not the Haredim's world where the child probably was uh, so uh, frozen in fear or was able to come up with ways to honor the parent. You're talking about here about something that is a product of many, many years of a, a negative dysfunctional behavior between them. So, I, you know, <laughs> if, if this is the case and, and the parent and the child wants to somehow be mis- you know to do the right thing i think you need to do everything you can to bring in some sort of intercessor um dr Cohen, do you agree or not it's not what i meant i meant that physically there's a need to be together because of the parent physical needs but emotionally, they can't stand on her. So emotionally, a child cannot perform the mitzvah. But but I think this case should separate the 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 physical needs from the emotional needs where they okay. can't stand. Okay, so, so let me re. So I think done. the emotional part, I see. I mean, the physical. Uh, can okay, so you so you're you're saying that the that, that you don't really need to necessarily have a full time aide doing your mitzvah. In other words, you should still be able to look at these, let's say, assuming it's an aged parent or a parent that has uh, intense physical needs, despite right. the emotional difficulties you have with their attitude and what they've done to you, you right. should be able to exude towards that person the type of uh, chesed towards helping them and yeah, their physical. physical needs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think but, that's that's possible. If it's possible to, I think it should. That's what the child should try in that case to to separate the two. Which is, which, so but, it's, but it still might. Again, you recognize how difficult that might be. Oh, it's very, it's no, no. it's very easy. You know, when you're dealing with a um, a a person who has reached such a stage that it's all just about changing the diapers and helping the feeding happen. You know, it's it's there's a docility to the person you're dealing with. And that could allow you to, to remember and, and think about, despite their flaws, what they did for you positively and just have 
just have human right. kindness towards any living human right. being. But if right. the person is still a functioning, you know, grumpy, uh, you know, crackling person, despite their infirmity, then you might still have a situation where you probably shouldn't be the one doing this. Yeah. Yeah, because I, as you're ideally, <laughs> ideally should definitely have uh, hire somebody neutral. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Again, you can you imagine you're trying to put in the pick line and the guy is like, you stupid idiots, you can never do anything right. Why do I have to have you talking about a mother who is so, uh, you know, who has become so um, mentally uh, off a rocker, but that she now wants to uh, fool around with her son. So in that case, the the Chazal say you're potter. So take that and extrapolate to any of these difficult situations. And I think you have something very similar where you should have somebody else involved. Again, unfor- you're right. There are unfortunate situations where everybody is bundled together. Richard, uh, what did you want to say before? I was just, it, it, something you said reminded me of in Pesachim when, it, when there's a limit on how much you're allowed to hate a, 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 a person, even if Right, there's a mitzvah to hate a person, but there's a limit. There's a level of ahavas Yisrael that transcends even the, the 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 level that you're supposed to hate someone that you're have a mitzvah to hate. So I, I don't know how that fits in, but it okay. Just, uh, so again, I, 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 the, the Gemara does say you have to, you know, if or hate the sin, but not hate the sinner. Um, but again, if the person continues to sin. And this really has to do with something we discussed on Shabbos, which is what the term hate means. It doesn't necessarily mean to be overcome emotionally by the feeling. We have a problem uh, in many ways in the way we translate words. Uh, we've become used to saying that the word sinna or sinas rishoyim is hatred of rishoyim. And then, as, as I mentioned on, on, on Shabbos, in a different format, you know, we think about like the, the three-minute hate from Orwell's 1984, and we think about people frothing at the mouth in, in, in anger. That's not necessarily what hatred means. Um, there's a dismissal, there's a sense of not wanting to connect to it, but it doesn't necessarily come with that same type of you know emotional uh, vehemence. That might not be what hatred is, but it, it might be important to, to make a stand within yourself about not learning and not wanting to be connected to such a person in terms of the influence that person might have. I think the things change a little bit, Richard, when we're dealing with, with a parent. In other words, the same Gemara in Psalchem that talks about when you see somebody doing Aveira that you have to hate them and hate the Aveira, when there's a superseding situation when we're talking about a, a child and a parent, and that might alter things uh, uh, as well. And and, and and whatever is true and that you might extract from the hatred you need to have to all evildoers or all people that show him. Clearly, it's a lot more complicated when it's the child to the parent. Let's take a look at the next piece from Chocham Avadia slash Rabbi Yitzchuk Yosef. Gam keshorim reshoyim umachali Shabbos beferhesya. Srikad abonim linog bekem kovod kekol avayim. So he paskins like the sheet of the Shulchan Aruch which we'll see is the sheet of the Rambam. Look at this. Okay. So. <laughs> right. So by doing that, you can change who? The parent, right? <laughs> In other words, or who else? The people who see you doing it? Look what he says. That if... In other words, the reason there's a reason to follow the Rambam here and not the Ramah is because by being machabed, these machaloi Shabbos, these people whose attitudes towards Judaism isn't just, well, they never learned better. Even if they had studied in yeshiva and decided now they hated everything about it. Even if that's who they were. Even if that's what they've become. There is still a Kiddush Shem Shamayim al Yadehim. And maybe that means that the parent recognizes, wow, you know, my kid still loves me. My kid still honors me. And and maybe the the idea that this was one of the tzivuyim of God will get to them. Maybe what this means is that um, people who see this going on, people who see and know about your kavod will also be influenced. You didn't look ahead. 
Aha. In other words, how do you know? In other words, maybe he's had tshuva thoughts. You don't know. See, this is different than Richard's point. Richard's point is that at his deathbed, he retroactively. Here, the point is, how do you know that the guy in front of you is a Russia? Well, look what he did yesterday. What he's been doing. Okay, maybe he, maybe he's maybe this morning he woke up and he did tshuva in his heart. We know, of course, that this quote of is reflected in a famous Gomorrah Kedushan, that if a person gives a woman uh, Kedushan, and he says that this will be Kedushan to you, but only with the supposition that I am a complete Tzadik. So, even though, well, valid to the point that she'll need a divorce in order to get married to anybody else. I don't know if necessarily halachically they're considered married, but and the reason is that he, at that moment that he said that, he might have done tshuva. And therefore, he was not saying, that I'll always be a tzaddik. But at this moment, that hero of tshuva that he had could have been powerful enough to turn that person into a possible tzaddik gummer at that minute. So if that's true for the person who does the kedushin, uh, Rabbi Yosef is saying that could be true for any parent. That parent, so this is really different than Richard's point before, that at the end of their life, they become a tzaddik and then retroactively. But at this moment, you don't really know what they are. They, despite the fact there's no keep on their head, despite the fact that the pork that's in the refrigerator, they might have done, they might be being Maharabachuba right now. So, now, Lefize, Afim Oviv Mumer, Lutiyavo. He says, right, Meyeshab, right, Lefize, Afim Aviv Mumer, Lutiyavo, Achmasmid Berisho. So it really depends looking like a duck and quacking like a duck and and laying eggs like a duck that it's that it's a snake. You know, it's like so here it is. Basically, you get your maybe he's doing chuva. What do you mean he's doing chuva? Right? He just came from the red lobster. Right afterwards, he wants me to drive him to the Red Lobster, right? Or whatever it is. He wants to let him off on the street. He's going to go eat over there, right? I, I, I know that he's doing, I see, I see what's, we'll see what he continues to do. So, um, you don't have to assume Truva when there isn't, right? And it's one thing, maybe, again, when it comes to Kedushan, possibly, maybe we will be Machmir because of Aisha's Ish. But in terms of the effort, energies, mental and physical that you need, you can assume there's no tshuva going on now. Rabbi Kivlech, it's really hard. The tshuva is between uh, an individual and God, right? So another person cannot be accurate about this, cannot take assumptions. We really, it's a very, very, it's, it's like we, I think we are simplifying the matter. I mean, we right. can say by the behavior, or maybe if it says publicly does something, I think there's, right? Publi- if publicly a person does something, he's assumed to be, let's say, a tzaddik or, or a rasha, whatever it is, right? Because really what they do, I don't know, maybe they do tikkun hatzot every day. Every- the question is, why does the Rambam Paskin that you have to be machabere rasha? And Why does the Rambam say that? So this is what he's saying. He says, um, first of all, doing it is a positive thing in terms of who knows what sort of effect it has on the parent and on the people around. That's number one. Then he says, the reason behind what the Rambam is saying is because you're not sure that maybe your your parent, despite what's going on, is really becoming about tshuva at this moment. So therefore, he says, if that's the reason of the Rambam, then you have the right to assume if every aspect of his behavior is not tshuva-like, that he's not about tshuva, right? Again, the fact that the Gemara says he did tshuva, he didn't do tshuva, I'm going to show you the Gemara in a minute. It means that we can recognize whether the person has done tshuva or not. And we can say, no, he has not done tshuva. Now, we can make that statement, even though you're going to say, well, are you really 100% sure 
maybe what you're seeing there really is Jumbaum, are you stuck because he says that if unless you're in the same situation and you don't commit the avera so that means anyone who has repeated uh, avera is not doing chuva by his definition okay so now richard you're asking another question about about chuva gamura right uh, the, again the the rambam has his own definition of how you become the ultimate balchuva but there could still be an act of chuva and it's not necessarily chuva of the ultimate level, right? Because the question is, is this person a Russia or not? Not whether he has done chuva for his Avera. The question is, is he a Russia at this moment? So, so one way to explain the Rambam is, you don't know that he's a Russia because he might be thinking of chuva. So on that, Rabbi Yosef is saying, well, if that's the way you understand the approach of the Rambam, there's probably behavior that you could say, no, he has not done shuva. But then he brings Even though there's no shuva. No, 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 there's no shuva. I still have to machab in my parents, even though they're Rishoyim. And that's what he says, So you don't have to go into that. You don't have to go in. So really, basically what he's saying is it, it's not about maybe they've done shuva or not. They haven't done shuva. You don't have to assume they did. You need to be machab at your parents. Even though they're Rishoyim, and this is again going with the Shitas Harambam. Um, huh. Right? Now, let's take a look at the final source that they bring. And this is from Rabbi Yezer Melamed's Penine Halacha, which I think you can find online. That's source 18. And he says the following. Le'itim bali tshuva to'em v'choshvim Many times you have that in modern Israeli society, or maybe here in America as well, um, people feel as they become Bali Tshuva, no, my parents are Rishoyim, they're Chilonim. If you have a person who basically ascribes to... Um, proper manners and ethics. And, and, and they have a disdain even for doing Torah mitzvahs. So even if we don't paskin like the Rampa, even if we paskin like the second opinion in the Shulchan, the, the Ramo's opinion, which is the opinion of the Tur, the Tur's psak would not be relevant According to Rebelezer Muhammad. Why? The situation of why people don't do mitzvahs is different than it was up until, let's say, 150 years ago, maybe 140 years. But halacha changed according to this. The halacha knew what a Russia was. The Chafetz Chaim writing really at the beginning of that period where the modern world started to alter everything, talked about Rishoyim. He talked about in his Sefer Shmir HaSaloshon and the Sefer Chafetz Chaim. But something was altered somewhere at the inception in the first couple of decades of the 20th century. It was, there was a new reality ushered into the world. And that is that people who, Jews, who don't follow the tradition, who don't keep mitzvahs, it's not really rishus. It's not really because they have turned away. It's not lahachis. Meaning the attitude of the generation of modernity, um, of, of, of post-Holocaust, of, of <laughs> whatever it is, the effusiveness and 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 uh, of 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 the consumeristic society, however you're going to explain it, the matzah kolshador means that a person's desire and willingness to accept a life of Torah mitzvahs is itself a incredible, marvelous decision. And if people don't make that choice, or even if they were raised that way and now decide not to, you cannot blame them. You can't call them a Russia. We'd still like them to change, but any type of designation of Russia does not apply anymore, according to this. 
So therefore, you don't even have to get into the fact of what Rabbi Yitzhak Yosef was talking about, right? That the possibility that the tshuva and that you have to be machabit even a Russia. There is no Russia today, at least not as far as this goes. In other words, in terms of following mitzvos, there's no Russia. There might be a Russia in other things, a Russia in, 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 in being abusive, Russia in, in being a sexual predator, Russia in being a, a, a thief and a, a complete oisvarf in terms of, 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 of common decency. But if, on, if the person qualifies as their Herod's and Musser, the fact that there are in terms of every mitzvah and aveir in the book, the person doesn't do any of them, According to this, they're not considered a Russia. And this is really uh, the tip. This is really the beginning of that revealed iceberg that I was talking to you about. And this, of course, plays its hand about how we treat the Chilonim and Eretz Yisrael. And how do we have a, 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 do we have a status where we can say, Machal Shabbos Bifarhesia, someone who's openly Machal Shabbos, openly doesn't care. Do we say that he has a din of a non Jew in terms of? adding him to the minion, in terms of uh, inviting him for Pesach, in terms of so many other halachas. So this is really, you know, one aspect of that. We have a type of statement. It has to have an antecedent, you know, and, and again, at least from a halachic perspective, because, you know, again, we're not just, you know, like the Supreme Court justices, and we're just going to rewrite things based on a new modern understanding. There's got to be some sort of precedent for it. And the precedent that they use is the idea of Tinok Shanishba Ben Agoyim, right? Is the idea that uh, uh, that you don't know any better. In other words, if the reason why you have not, you're not being involved in mitzvahs is because you are a, a complete DNA Jew, but you have been stolen away by pirates who have raised you and you don't really know. And even though you are now rescued and brought back, the, the actions that you do, uh, you are completely uh, considered forgiven for all of those because you 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 are missing all that funda- all that all, all those fundamental parts of of being raised with a Jewish or halachic perspective that was deprived from you, and therefore that is this principle of tinak shenishba ben agoyim, the the. And the Rambam applies this, interestingly, uh, to the Karaites of his time. And this already was a novel uh, jump in, in many people's minds. Uh, the Rambam said that the Karaites, he says, not the actual original uh, authors of the Karite heresy, but their children and grandchildren, of course, they are going to go against the Rishab because they believe they're doing the right thing. Uh, so so really, let me just explain. It coalesces in the Rambam's, uh, in the Rambam's uh, way of looking at things. It's because they believe they're right. You know, you, 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 there's, as, as Rav Dessler says, everybody has a certain Nakuda Sabahira. Everybody has a certain uh, place of what they can choose or what they can't choose. And if you've been raised in a certain way, if you've been raised to think in a certain way about things, then it's going to be impossible to think any different. The Rambam says you can't expect this, you know, died in the wool, third, fourth generation, Karite, to somehow accept our Torah and mitzvahs. He's not a Russia. And even when he talks to us and he, he dismisses you, it's not because he's dismissing you because he's a Russia. He can't bridge the chasm that separates you and him because of the way he was raised. Now, that Rambam, which, by the way, uh, 300 years later, was was basically dismantled by David Ibn Zimra in his commentary on the Rambam. He says, oh, the Rambam was talking about his Karaites, the ones he was familiar with uh, in the 12th and early 13th century. But the ones now in the 16th century, they're terrible. Right? <laughs> they're definitely Rishoyim. They're, they, they definitely... Right, so yeah. the Radvas who lived in the same uh, same place in Mitzrayim and what we call Egypt as the Rambam says, you know, uh, when I see these Karaites, they are really they are out to get us. They do everything they can to stick the, their steely knives into us, and they are definitely Rishoyim. So, but despite the Radvas's complaint about the Rambam's novel uh, interpretation of the idea of what a, a Russia is. 
um, the Rambam still stands, and I think that's what is the basis of the Chazonish and Eliezer Melamed's uh, what they write here. Um, you know, the Chazonish, what he writes in Yeridea, in terms of, of, of the Baliavera of our time, and what Eliezer Melamed is saying. The, 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 they are raised in a way where they can't think otherwise. The Chiloni in Eretz Yisrael, um, despite living maybe just two or three blocks away from the Belzer Besmedrish, cannot think in the same way the Rosh, the people who became Roshoyim in the time of Chazal. In the time of Chazal, the, there was a, a, such a cohesiveness in our society that somebody who really had almost like a, a spiritual negative calling to say, I'm throwing this all away, I'm going against God, and I'm joining Korach and all the other Rishoyim in our history. Whereas today, they are Tinoka Shanishpa, they, despite the fact that they live in, in such proximity. And it's not helped, the Chazanish said, by the way we react to them. If, if the way we react to them is as negative as we have, the, 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 the terrible mistake of, of jumping on, the, on them and, and not recognize. In other words, basically the Chazanish is really criticizing the, the, the end of the 19th century's attack on the secular Zionists. The, the attacks that were heaped upon the secular Zionists uh, were so were wrong in the way that their intensity really fueled the hatred to a point that it even sealed even more permanently the mindset of the non-religious, and that is something that we are unfortunately still dealing with today, right? Because despite you know all the beautiful, uh, you can watch uh, you can watch Dissel and you can go see um, Spiesen and and you could read you know the beautiful. Divrei Torah, uh, uh, you know, on various websites, but there's still this incredible gap, which cre- which is the Tinok Shanishpa type of situation, which I think Rebbeisam uh, Lamed is saying, and I think this is the way we have to view, uh, you know, according to this approach, any of the people, even in Eretz Yisrael, even the ones that are saying the most terrible things about. About let's say who qualified as a child who was stolen becomes a balchuva, right? And so now he is aware of the obligations. Is he to be judged as uh, the previous, sta- you know, uh, status, or now he has the uh, once he knows something, he is uh, now obligated as as if he were born that way. Okay, so I think your question is: Is there a tenuousness to your chuva now? In other words, if where you're coming from was this other world, so now, or if you would do, if he would slip back, would he be considered a Russia now? Because now that he's tasted the truth, and he's among, decided among other things, yes, right? yeah, so that, that's that's your question. In other words, somebody yeah. who's raised completely secular, knows nothing else, is really the product of the the amalgamated hatred that's that has progressed over you know the last you know, 12 decades. So such, such a person is definitely not. But if the person has already discovered and has lived, uh, you know, truly like a, a Balchuva, but then somehow decides to throw it back, do we perhaps, you know, call that person a Russia? I, I, you could probably ask the question even, uh, even more interestingly, I think, about someone who's from the Haredi society and that, of course, is something that uh, is is something that we are, are very aware of, especially in the last twenty five years. The amount of people who have left the Haredi world and you know are still you know trying to find their place somewhere, not in modern Orthodox circles, but in in a complete irreligious way. Do we consider them Rishoyim? And I would say the answer to both is no. Obviously, in the case you mentioned, Doctor Kogan, um, it was almost a miracle that he came back considering uh, the world that he was in. But I would say that if, if, if Rebbe Lezer Malamed, and, you know, who's really echoing um, you know, ideas first expressed by the Chazanish, I think that would be true even for uh, an off-the-derach child. It would be the same thing. There would be no way that you'd be able to classify that person as a Rosh, according to, according to this. Times, most people that do not keep the mitzvot do not do so due to an evil desire of anger but rather due to the general state of the generation. So, no. So, so that, I'm, 
that if they do do so from an evil desire of anger against the Torah, then they would be considered Rishonim. No, so I am saying not like that. I am saying that even though they mouth anger against the Torah, it really isn't because they can't okay. do it any other way. So I, what we're doing okay. is really getting to the depth of what's behind them. I think that's what he means. Even if so they getting- say, even if they say, Richard, I hate Torah, I hate, I hate, I hate, oh, that's because they're not in a position to, to, to say anything else because of their experience. Right. That's really, that's what they're going to say. So but that's not to- really, but it, but it really is because they can't, like I said, it's, it's the Tinuk Shanishpa that makes them right. act that way. That, that's what the. East Russia. Meaning we can all agree that someone who does something completely yes. moral. Right, 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 right. And that's why we're saying the Ben Odom, you know, the Ben Odom, uh, you know, Javero, uh, someone who's an abuser, someone who's a, uh, right. Some, you know, but a serial killer who doesn't, is not in control of himself, like someone with schizophrenia, are they considered a Russian? No, 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 no. no. We're talking about someone who, who is high intelligent, like, you know, someone who who has. I'm not a, sure. Look, people who are. You're, you're, you have something wrong with you if you can just kill people. Uh, I agree. Like, by definition. So there's actually there's a very fascinating story about a guy who started to abuse um, a certain group of individuals, uh, and I don't want to be too graphic. And then this person, they found out that he had a lesion on his brain. Uh, they took out the lesion or cancer, whatever this person had in the brain. The person stopped having those behaviors. Then, many years later, after he was freed from the uh, from the hospital and uh, whatever he got, got lower sentence, he got out of prison and uh, he was with his uh, family member, and he attacked that my family member again in an appropriate way. They took him immediately to take a scan, and they learned that the cancer grow grow back in the same part of the brain. Right, causing the same. This is, yeah, with the same region of the brain. So yes, there is a correlation. Although we cannot say, I mean, obviously there are people, neuroscientists today, who claim there is no free will, but um, it's a very problematic thing to say. And we also know that people who believe that there is no free will have worse outcome in life basically proving that there is some kind of impact of human choice on our consciousness. And when we don't have a consciousness of the choice, then we do not make right choices. Uh, So basically, conclusion is that it seems like we do have some degree of choice, and maybe some people have larger degree than others in terms of choice. But if someone is, you know, but we cannot say... That that because some individuals have no choice, that means that all the individuals don't have choice. And obviously, right. it, yeah, we have a hard time to tell who who is the, who who is who. Um, and there is some kind of killer addiction which some cellular killers talk about, and uh, you know, and we treat addiction today with some kind of understanding that the person is. Sick. So I think the, so I think to bring it full circle, if if we have a parent who is uh, a, a a serial abuser, someone who has even done um, these terrible things, terrible acts of murder. Um, this is really where we're coming from. Obviously, as we said before, if it's if there's an emotional impossibility for you to to relate to that person, you know, it might be despite the fact that he's he doesn't act mean to you, you might be put there just because it's impossible for you to to overcome your cognitive dissonance. How can it be that this is my father? You know, and again, if your father is this duplicitous type of Lothario that on one level. Um, you know, was a good dad to you. On the other hand, you discover that they are that they have this secret double life where they've done all these terrible things. Um, and, and and again, this gets into what Miriam is saying. If they are suffering from a lesion or something that's in their mind and something that maybe you know that that, that they weren't able to control in some ways, um, then it really again gets into this question of how you're supposed to deal with them. I think the pure. You know, if we take the pure psak of the Rambam, as the Rambam says, um, and I think this is what Rabbi Yosef is correct, 
you still have a chiyav of kavo. The question is, can you be exempt from it? Um, can you be exempt from it because it's just impossible for you to now all of a sudden be machabed, who you've discovered is this monster, even though the, the one you can imagine he showed love. Now, if 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 they were abusing you uh, and they were hurting you, then again, the, the mitzvah would seem to be counterintuitive. The mitzvah would be counterproductive. Again, if they were abusing you, the mitzvah would be counterproductive because because by continuing to machabed them, you are hurting yourself and you are damaging yourself in a way that who knows what it could lead to. Again, again, uh, in terms of, we talk about, you know, a graphic type of situation. You can imagine a parent and a child where the, 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 the young boy or girl is being machabed, a serial abuser. So clearly there is no mitzvah of kibbutz there because the mitzvah of kibbutz is just a means for the child to be hurt in ways that are, that are like murder. That, you know, maybe Chazanish and Ezra Muhammad are right, that there is no Rishoyim in terms of mice and mitzvahs anymore, but there definitely still is a level of Rishos of Benodom Machavero. Uh, and even there, I, I think you'd have to really, um, you know, have to understand the direction of the Rambam, what, what could be demanded from a person. I don't know if it's possible, but, but, you know, if we, if we, if we say that somebody like Dr. Kogan was saying could have, in some way, yes, this guy is a serial killer. This guy is a sexual offender. This guy it needs to be locked up, but his child should still come and visit. His child should still come and perhaps uh, take care of their needs uh, if possible. I mean, this is what I think uh, another type of situation that that I think the, that we probably do have many, many cases of it. And you know, if a person would be able to do it, you know, you know, would that be Yisayev Shem Shamayim Aliyado, like Yitzhak Yosef says? Will God's name be more loved by people when they see this type of behavior? Thanks for joining us for another episode from the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss a single episode. 